Podcast 33, This Too Shall Pass, When I Say So. Patrick O'Malley, writing in the New York Times Opinionator section, Couch, addressed the topic of grief with his piece called Getting Grief Right. That got my attention. I guess I'm an expert on this topic based not only on my experiences, but on my postings and podcasts. Or, perhaps we can say, my experiences allow me to speak up and out. After all, this is the internet, and everyone is an expert, at least in their own mind. O'Malley tells the story of a woman who lost a child, a very young child. But the piece is also about the loss he suffered when his first child died 10 years earlier. Both those narratives are intertwined and related. And O'Malley makes the point to the patient early on that she was not depressed or stuck or wrong. She was just very sad, consumed by sorrow. And not grieving wrong, but the depth of her sadness was simply a measure of the love she had for her daughter. He notes that when he said these words, she's not wrong or depressed, it allowed her to be free, to surrender to her sorrow. The loss was now part of her life's narrative, and that narrative of loss was to claim and cherish. You hold on to it, not to push it down or adapt to it. I have written and spoken about this and about the issue of facing loss and making it part of my life. O'Malley, to quote him in the article, says, The truth is that grief is as unique as a fingerprint, conforms to no timetable or societal expectation. This is a struggle I have felt. Was expected of me, from me? What are the expectations of those who have been there for me? I've been lucky in that many, many have allowed me to be me and live my grief dictated by my own timetable and fingerprint. Or they've been too kind to tell me to grow the hell up. In my stubborn selfishness, I've embraced this is my grief and I will do what I want with it. But I fear it's time to move beyond to find a place to park it within my life. O'Malley offers insight into this goal. And he notes there are three chapters of loss, as he identifies them. Chapter one is the attachment. What is the strength of the bond with the person who was lost? He says the size of the grief corresponds to the depth of the love. I have said this before, and it holds true. I began grieving when Donna was diagnosed. And throughout her treatment, until her passing, we were connected unlike any time previously. It was unique, emotional, powerful, and real. I would say this. It is the reason or the strength of that connection for those last two years that may drive my inability to release and not place what is and was into the context of my new world. That bond of 30 years and the intensity of the final two are stronger than I have understood previously. And those bonds are drivers for my current writings, podcasting, and memories. And my goal? To place, plant, position, 
what I have had, what I have felt, where I am into my new world. In chapter two, as O'Malley identifies it, the death event itself is where we begin to question our sanity. How we may shut down the natural pain of that death in order to survive. I wonder out loud as I listen and read these podcasts and musing, musings, if I'm insane, am I truly in control? Or is this a runaway locomotive and I'm just along for the ride? I will say this in my defense. An hour following Donna's passing, I was calling friends and family to tell them the news. A dear friend who I've known for 30 plus years said to me, what I do know about loss is that you cannot hide from it or shut it down or run from it. It will be there pulling you back, drawing you, driving your reactions and emotions. It is best to face it, embrace it, take it on and go with it. I believe I have done that and I have come to understand and embrace the loss. Have, ex have not accepted it, have just held on to it. Not holding it as a Jedi lightsaber to slay Sith lords, just to hold it as my comforter, as my path. In chapter 3, O'Malley calls a long road after the last casserole dish is picked up. That's when the outside world stops grieving with you. His patient said she wanted those friends. She was on the fast track to closure. What was needed, he says, is acceptance of the sadness and the loss. And I think I've done that. I'm not sure I've ever really tried to show closure. Closure is indifference. If I close this, I'm indifferent to it, and I don't want that to happen. Even though a medical professional blew smoke up my ass and said I've adapted to my loss, as if. My personal chapter three is about plumbing the depths of the loss and grief, looking at it, understanding it, perhaps under the pretense that I wanted to help others. I believe that remains a valid goal that I'm trying to accomplish and a way to find a place. At the same time, I worry, or maybe I realize, that I'm wearing my welcome thin on this whole dead wife suffering spouse shtick. I will say this, there are those out there who note that my change from this loss or embracing this loss is annoying the crap out of them and how selfish it is for me not consider them or others. So I'm being truly selfishly caught up in my own world. And that is not an indictment of them as much as it is a look in the mirror. But it's my journey, not anyone else's. I just read an interview by, of David Hallman, who lost a partner to AIDS. Hallman wrote, August Farewell, about the last 16 days of a 33-year romance and searching for Gilead. Hallman makes the following point when he's speaking about sharing too much of his loss and love. He says he fears he may have skidded into emotional exhibitionism. So clear and on the point, perhaps I've done that. I am delusional to believe anyone listens to these or finds some comfort or help, but that's a human condition. 
Hope is at the extreme edges of our lives. The few that do listen are mostly polite and kind. Others may read between the lines and see the pain in what I say and write and see it as an admission of my own lack of growth, refusing to heal or not meeting their needs. Still, there are others out there in end-of-life and hospice and palliative medicine community who have moved on from my musings. I would say readily about the others, I may have alienated them. You know, I'm, I won't defend myself. I'm a pretty annoying person at times, and the dead wife, sad widower perhaps has lived his life. The challenge now, at least for me, is to file this within my personal context, shield it from harming others, park it, feel it, and shut the hell up about it. Perhaps in the darkness before dawn when I'm listening to my internal clock ticking off the minutes and breaths, I'll hear what I feel and smile that I know the truth, and I have made the truth. Then I'll get up and make my coffee. This too shall pass because I say so, when I say so on my terms. But in case there is one out there who's looking for some knowledge about grief or loss, let me say this. Embrace it. Accept it. Do not shy away from your loss and grief. Let it be part of you. Let it be your own measure of who you are for the time being until it naturally takes its place within your new world. Do not manage it. Do not let it manage you. Listen to it. Talk to it. Dance with it. It will run its course. Also, I'd say create a narrative story and place it in the world where the memories and grief exist. To get the grief right, you have to put it in a narrative. Own it, live it, be proud that you can find its meaning and place in your world, your life, your context. Grief is not a prison, not a prison of the heart, nor a poison to the soul. It's a journey to find meaning and a place to reside in your new world. The loss has created a new world for you. Do not feel guilt for surviving a loss.